What's up? Welcome back to Where Are All My Friends? This week, we sit down with Steph Mursky. Steph is a friend of mine who I met quite some time ago, but he did a ton of marketing and digital media for Vans Warp Tour. Now that's saying it short, he did quite a lot of other things, but the reason why I'm very excited about this episode is we do tell his story, but really we get into some very actionable pieces of advice and things that you can do as an artist if you're looking to promote your business and if you are looking to get into the industry, a ton of advice on not only just marketing and digital media, but like how to use data, how to find what you want to do, finding the right career paths, trying a bunch of different things. Like this was such a fun episode because we really got into advice and actionable items. And I've been having a lot of fun trying to add that and do more of that and not just tell a story. So I think you're really going to like that. Another thing that we talked about on the episode that just has me thinking is we talked about doing like a live Q&A, like doing some kind of podcast where we sit down, given the guest, uh, whatever their expertise is, but we would get into some type of live stream on Instagram Live or Twitch, whatever, where you could ask questions. So if you're interested in that, please let me know because I want to do that. Overall, I think that says it. You know what I always ask? If you do like this episode, if you get value out of it, if you enjoy it, please share it with a friend, tell a friend about it, share it on social media, tag myself and Steph. I'm at Andrew underscore FTW. He is Steph.Mirsky, M-I-R-S-K-Y. With that said, let's get into this episode. Where are all my friends? Here we are. Steph Mursky. This is a cool one for me because we have been friends for some time. And I've had a couple guests on here where we know each other, you know, kind of just met, whatever. And then I've had like some homies. And I love to have a homie because, I don't know, it's just fun. I feel like I always learn something new. And I love showing off my impressive friends and like <laughs> being able to be like, hey, like, look, here's somebody with a cool story. <laughs> so... Welcome. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. This is going to be fun. I'm yeah. excited. Legit. I'm very excited. Um, I love that before we did this, we were out the other night on a weekend and you're like, what am I going to do a podcast? And I was like, I've been asking you. And I showed you the list of my people that I wanted. And you're like, you've literally never asked me. And I was like, <laughs> my bad. I definitely wrote your name on the list and forgot. <laughs> I feel like that was like a way nicer way to put it. I'm pretty sure I drunkenly yelled at you. <laughs> It was like, I need to be on your podcast, but I like your version better. <laughs> well, because for me too, like I always like, I'm very honored when somebody's down to come on. Yeah. So I never want to like punish people and be like, please do it. Please do it. So sure. when somebody's like, yo, when am I going to do it? I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> so you're here. It's awesome. Um, what I like to do is for anybody listening that doesn't know who you are, just a very quick, like brief explanation of what you do and who you are. Sure. Um, so I'm Steph Mursky. Uh, for the last five years, I was the digital marketer. I was just more than a digital marketer. I was the marketer and creative director uh, for the Vans Warped Tour. And now that that has winded down after 25 years, I am out on my own uh, doing freelance digital marketing, festival marketing, creative direction, all that kind of stuff. It's fun. I think that says it pretty well. Yeah. Um, I know you're pretty humble with that stuff. So Thanks. I try. I, I've seen all the things that you have done and what that means to do the marketing for Warp Tour yeah. and all of that. And it, I think it's very applicable to anything and it's huge. So it's really cool. And I'm really excited to hear more of the story. Yeah. So now 
take me back. Like, I'm always curious to hear kind of like where people find that spark of like what gets them into their thing. Mm. So take me back to whatever those days are, like where you're from, kind of like the formative years, maybe finding that first hobby or whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you or like wherever that takes you to. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia and I went to a private prep school, uh, for high school and I didn't fit in really. And, uh, I kind of found my space by going to shows. Uh, it was weird because one of the popular kids boyfriends was not from our private prep school. And he was really into like starting line and Thursday and like all these emo bands. And so I somehow got invited to like his little show. He was playing at like a VFW hall with his band. Um, and so it was total accident that I like fell into that world. Like I didn't discover that music. What were you listening to before that? Straight hip hop. Like, really? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was playing basketball and I would go and play, uh, like, travel or like AAU was called. I don't know what those words letters stood for, but <laughs> now that I think about it, um, but it was travel, travel sport. And we would go into the city to play our games and tournaments on the weekends. And so uh, it was exposing me to a vastly different culture yeah. than what I was growing up with. And so I really liked that kind of music and I was drawn to it. So I was like all in hip hop. And my mom was mortified and then not about it, not about that life. And then I went all in emo and she was also not about that life. So, you know, you can't win. But yeah, it was like a weird, I I fell into it and fell in love with it. And um, kind of like going to shows became an escape and listening to that music became an escape and just went down like the MySpace rabbit hole because this was back in 2004. Five. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was like Paramore and Starting Line and Thrice and Thursday and My Chem, Fall Out Boy, all these bands, Pan of the Disco, like all these bands um, kind of gave me an escape and gave me like a, a reason to, I don't know, exist. Uh, it, yeah. It was, it was, I mean, not to sugarcoat what was a very dark time. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like in school, I had no motivation. I had no aspirations, none of it. But going to these shows, um, I made me realize early on, like, okay, if there's a concert here and I paid a ticket to come, that yeah. means there's business, there's commerce, which means there's business, which means there's somebody running this show. Like there, there are entities here that are working together. Were you thinking like that out the gate? Like even like at a younger age, you're yeah. like, okay, yeah. I love this. There's people here. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I knew I just wanted to be, I knew I couldn't play a musical instrument. Yeah. I wasn't going to be saying I wasn't going to be in the band. Um, and so I, you know, felt a creative spark and, and knew, I knew that I was smart, but I didn't have an outlet for it. And I didn't care about school. I wasn't like traditional book smart. Um, so that kind of became what my like aspiration was. I was like, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to work in the music industry. And more importantly, like I found Warped Tour because as everybody oh. does, at some point you yeah. find Warped Tour, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I started out going to club shows and then, and then all of a sudden was like, what's this show in the summer that has every band I like? Yeah. I was like, I need to go to this thing. And so it quickly became like, okay, my sole goal is you know, in high school, it was clubs and I went to the Warped Tour like my senior, junior, senior year. And then when I got into college, it was like, all right, my sole goal is going to be work in the music industry. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it like, it clicked. Like when you, when it clicked, it clicked. That's so interesting to me because I think a lot of people, it doesn't really matter the genre and the genre is always changing. Mm -hmm. Right. But when you're in those teenage years, 
and you find that there's music that isn't just music on the radio. Yeah. And like you find that it's like, wait a minute, this is sick. These are lyrics and things that I actually care about. Mm -hmm. And there's a community and there's like, I don't want to say underground, but there's right. like an, an actual alternative community. Right. Where you're like, wait, yeah. what? It's crazy. Like finding that regardless what age, regardless like what that genre is, I think is so important. And when people talk about finding that, like, right? Yeah. It's just such yeah, a thing. Yeah, you see like everyone kind of come alive, you know? Yeah. And like for me, it was, for me, it was that it didn't matter if you were like gay, straight, tall, white, whatever. Like none of that mattered at a show for 90 minutes or right. you know, three hours if you went from opener to closer. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's to me what was so important. It was like, you're all there, yeah. you're in the pit, you're singing along. That's all that matters for that time. Yeah. And you can all get along. I remember that so well of like going to like some of my first shows in like mosh pits mm -hmm. and the idea of like these people will shove each other around, do whatever, yeah. you'll fall down. But it wasn't an actual fight. And as soon as you fell down, you picked somebody up. Yeah, and I was 100%. like, wait, yeah. shit, like everybody's here for each other. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so cool. So that really clicked for you. Yeah, it really clicked for me and it, it gave me motivation. I mean, I went what from like- What age was that? Uh, it, let's say it was like sophomore year of high school. So 16. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so like 16 to 18, you know, it kind of gave me a way to- stay motivated. Um, really like my sole motivation at the time was like go to college in New York or Boston and just like get out of the suburbs, get out of that area, just not be there anymore. So it was not your vibe. No. What, like, what about it did you hate so much? Like, did you have a good relationship with your family or was it like- I mean, I, they, both my parents are fantastic. Yeah. Um, they did the best they could. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I have not, I had everything I wanted on the paper. I was like a spoiled white kid, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's like boohoo. But underneath that, you had anxiety, depression. You know, I I was gay at the time before it was in vogue to be gay. Like, <laughs> like you know, it wasn't it wasn't back during Stonewall era. It wasn't yeah. illegal for me to be gay, but it certainly was not accepted at all. Yeah, um, it was like maybe Sex in the City had opened some doors, but that was mostly gay men. Yeah. Being a lesbian was, you know, yeah, and and then. That's just what was on the surface. And it wasn't until like a decade later that I even figured out that I was trans. Yeah. So like I kind of had musings in high school. Like I understood it. Well, it, it didn't. It was not talked about. But it wasn't It wasn't a thing. Yeah. I, I didn't even know it existed. I literally right. didn't know it existed until I was like 25 years old. Yeah. So yeah, so you're like a literal, teenager. A literal decade. And yeah. you're just fucking confused. Yeah. And like you don't yeah. have the discussions that no. are now. You don't have the discussions. All you have is the ability to choose a male character on video games. Right? Like that's <laughs> like, that's your outlet. You're like, okay, for the if I'm playing video games with my brother, I can pick a male character. And it's not it's not that out of the question because all the female characters are coded to be subpar yeah. characters, right? So it's like, okay, it's just merely a like tactical choice that I'm choosing a male character. That is but, so you know, fucked when you put it like that. Like your sense of belonging, the only thing you can yeah. do is choose the male character in a video right. game. Yeah, that's Holy. it. That's what you got. Wow. You got that. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that was kind of, so there was a lot, you know, like again, I went to private prep school. I was well off, yeah. you know, thank God. Like it, it could have, my story could be very different if I didn't have those uh, opportunities and, and privileges. Um, but yeah, so then I kind of got into Boston University um, and there it was pretty much, man, dude, I remember my mom when she dropped me off. It was, so when she dropped me off, she had seen my tattoos. 
So like they saw my tattoos this summer going off to college. And I shit you not, I fell asleep. I fell asleep in the back of the car on the drive up from Philadelphia to Boston. It's like six, seven hours. Yeah. I woke up in the parking lot of Mass General Hospital because they had found a tattoo removal specialist and they were like, we're going to get these removed. No. This is wild. Yeah. I was like, this is gnarly. So we go to the appointment and they were like- uh, They actually did it? Oh, we were- No, no, no. no. They didn't get it. So the, so, uh, the tattoo on my back has a lot of orange and yellows and blues in it. And the surgeon was like, the lasers don't pick that up. Because it's like a red. So any reds, yellows, oranges are really hard to get out. So they were like, it'll just kind of like deform the whole thing. So you really have to think if you want to like scar your child's body for this. And like, we were all just kind of like, I was like, I won. Yeah. Like, it was oh just like, my, that's yeah, like what it was. Jokes on you. I chose these red, jokes, orange, yeah. and yellows. <laughs> jokes on you. Um, but then, then they dropped me off at VU. My darling mother was like, uh, prove to us you're worth this because Boston University is like the third most expensive university in the country. Yeah. It's up there. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right, hold my beer. And I just became like a straight A student, like 3.85 GPA consistently, Damn. like interned and did side like part-time jobs to have money and like, like just crushed it in school. So even though you were going through like a little bit of like, an, a little bit, you <laughs> were going bit. through some emotional shit and yeah. like figuring out a lot of internal things that didn't stop you from like being smart and like being able to do no, like the college I mean, side of things. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't easy. It was an unhealthy coping mechanism. Oh. Essentially what I did was, was like, well, I'm not going to feel any of these emotions and I'm not going to deal with this stuff. I'm just going to work. That's how we both joke. Yeah. We're addicted to workaholic. Yeah, I'm a workaholic. Yeah, yeah like 100%. when we have shit going on, it's just like, ah, let's just work a bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So it was that. It was that to the extreme. And, yeah. and again, thank God, because if I decided to go there and party, mm-hmm. I probably would not be here today. Wow. Like if you roll the dice, let's say you iterate this 15 different ways, there's a story where it ends in addiction. There's yeah. a story, you know, like I'm not the only person. Right. Um, so like, it, it did end in an addiction, addiction to work. Right. It's you just, just luckily found a productive addiction a productive, where other people yes. could have found others. Yes. So now like sitting here years after this happened, having gone to therapy, having talked to a mental health professional, I can look back and say like, it was an addiction. It was just a productive one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It had a positive option on the other end. That's, which that's was really a career, wild. You know, it's wild to be so self-aware of that, right? I try. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel you. Like, I think that I've definitely gone through that. I think a lot of people can relate to that, yeah. right? Um, so you were really good in school. What, and you said, as soon as you kind of found that scene, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, it's music. I'm going to yeah. find something in this. So what are those days like? Like, did you have a feeling of where you would end up in music? Did you ever have a desire to be an artist or did you always know it was on the business side? Like, I knew it was on the business because I couldn't play a musical instrument. Like okay. I didn't even play piano when I was a kid. Like yeah. it was like, I can't sing, can't play any singular instrument, but yeah. I have a brain that's pretty yeah. sharp. Um, so I'll just use that to to my advantage. And it was, I mean, besides I went to business school, so that gave me a foundation no matter where I went, whether I went in music or not. Yep. Um, but I mean, every day was, it was pretty laser focused on like warp Tour and the scene, the air yeah. quotes, the scene. Um, and I mean, I would sit there and when I had free moments, cause I, like I said, I was a good student. So I was working my ass off trying to do that. But when I had free time, I would literally make an Excel spreadsheet 
I would go through Facebook at the time because now we had switched. We mentioned yeah. MySpace, yeah, yeah. but now we had all switched to Facebook. I would literally go to the about section of band pages. You can still do it to this day. I would go to the about section and I would write down the manager, the agent, the publicist, and every contact that that band listed. Because when every band sets up their Facebook page, nobody realizes that that information is public. So they all, everyone goes and types that in. You know what I do? This is still <laughs> advice that I give. Yeah. When artists ask me, they're like, oh, like we were interested in this agent, this yeah. label, this anything, or they don't know who to go with. Right. The advice that I give, because it's still there for yeah, some. For some. Like, I'm always just like, go find your top 10 bands yeah. or artists that you associate with and look who works with them. Yeah. And you're going to find a 100%. pattern and then reach out to the people that 100%. you find the most. Yeah. So the fact that you just had yeah. that. That's damn. literally what I did. To, and I, so I would make like, you know, like 100 rows worth of data of people to reach out to for internships. Oh, and I would just whoa. cold email these people. Yeah. Took forever. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Took forever. Did it work? It worked. I got like... My first one was um, Mark. So I have obviously had to start with Boston. Right. Because I was there. So the first one was Mark Cates, who was Fenway Recordings, but at the time was MGMT's manager. Yeah. So I somehow lucked into that internship. Cool. Um, and MGMT yeah. was probably ripping at that they time. Were ripping. Huh? It was when they were huge. Yeah. yeah. And he had a fantastic day-to-day -day manager. Gosh, I'm going to space on her name, but she was wonderful. Um, and she like really took me under her wing and like let gave me free reign to like do stuff. And because I was a business kid, they gave me all the business kid stuff. They were like, itemize these invoices. Like, here's a bunch of receipts. Code these receipts. Code this, you know, credit card charge. Question. Yeah. Did you have an oh shit moment there? Or have you always been the stuff that I know where you're just like, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> so that's I mean, always been like, you've yeah, had that. You I had have like that one, knack for yeah, yeah, yeah. numbers and organization. Correct. Because yeah. I, I went to business school. So I, I not only could do the basic stuff, I could do like really, like I was like, we could do regression analysis on your, if we wanted to, but like, okay. it's not going to tell you anything. But, well, no, that's, <laughs> that's important to talk about though, because I think a lot of people that I have talked to, like even like Josh Terry, who I was mm -hmm. talking to last, like he originally went to school for journalism. Right. Like, you know, he was like, thinking that he'd go into some type of like writing mm -hmm. and then moved it. Yeah. So just because like you have a specific major, go to school, a lot of times people end up hating it. So the fact oh, that yeah. you had your thing and not only did you go, you learned it and applied it and it like right. clicked. That's yeah. actually important. That's it's a, that's super a, important. But also at the same time, I went to my concentration, although it was business school, I went for finance and like pre-law. Okay. Like those are my concentrations. Did you think that you might do something with law? No, it was just, God forbid this fails. Okay. Those are the best options to fall back on. Got it. Um, but I mean, long, but anyway, I ended up in marketing yeah. because at the time marketing became a very data heavy. Uh, so it, got, it, know, got it. Got it. Okay. So we'll get into at, that. <laughs> you're at the company right. with MGMT. Yeah. So I did that. They're giving you receipts and things and you're just like, yeah, let's go. This is easy. Got yeah. it. Done. Um, then I did a whole like e-commerce analysis for them because that was right when e-commerce was starting. Yeah. So I was like figuring out like when they were printing all their cost of goods and all that. Um, I did like a whole analysis like, hey, you're printing your lower earning artists on the same quality blanks as your higher earning artists but you can't charge as much, so your margin is smaller, right? So like it's like here's ways you can improve, right? Here's cheaper blanks, cheaper this, or or you know whatever, or just have a smaller profit margin. That's up to you, yeah, as a manager. Um, so that was my first one, and then 
Boston University had a uh, Los Angeles program. They call it, it's part of their abroad program. <laughs> it's like not really abroad. It's domestic abroad, but it's the same concept. You go to a foreign city. Uh, in this case, it was a domestic but LA seems pretty foreign relative. Three hour time <laughs> yeah. difference. So it's pretty different. Um, so yeah, so you take classes at night at this like satellite program um, offices, like a campus they have. It's not like campus. It's like a couple of rooms in an office building. Uh, and you intern during the day. And I uh, got an internship at Hopeless Records okay. uh, with Eric Tobin, who became yeah. a great friend and mentor. Yeah. And then I also had an internship at EMI, Okay. Um, so for Hopeless, it was like sales and business development. And for EMI, it was finance. Okay. Uh, again, these were the lowest barriers to entry. So okay. everyone wants the A&R internships. Everyone wants marketing internships. Everyone wants PR internships. Yeah. So I said, instead of going after everybody else, I'm just going to get my foot in the door. Oh, Nobody cool. wants the accounting internships. Yeah. Nobody wants the sales and business development internships. That's So smart. I had zero competition. <laughs> yeah. So you actually like... You were about your business. You, yeah. you had a bit of a strategy yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> 100%. Um, and those were kind of wild. Like EMI was crazy because I was there when they uh, essentially like announced that they uh, defaulted on like 3.2 billion pounds of debt. And that's when, they, that's when they kind of got disseminated and then bought by Universal. That was that whole transition. Okay. But I was there when the official announcements came out and I was in their accounting department. Yeah. So I quickly had to do stuff that was above intern level because it was like all hands on deck. So yeah. they would just give me like rows, like reports that were just lines and lines of data of like bad debt. Oh no. Which bad debt is essentially like, okay, this record store hasn't paid us. Yeah. Right. It's because that whole time, 2012, eh, it's like 2011, the oh. whole industry was imploding. Right? Yeah. 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 That's when it kind of bottomed out. If you look back at like SoundScan, Billboard data, 11, 12, it just like bottomed out. Well, yeah. Cause you have digital coming in and you also have an actual recession. Right. So we had an actual recession. We had uh, physical in rapid decline. Not only that, but then you had digital purchasing in rapid decline, but people had not started paying for streaming accounts. That's right. So yeah. your your increase in streaming, free streaming was not enough to offset the decrease of physical and digital purchasing. Did you have an inkling of like maybe this isn't the best thing to do right now? Like did that scare you? Uh I was too young okay. and hungry at the time. I but had it that too. Did scare me. So what so at Hopeless, um I ended up taking a full-time job with Hopeless. Yeah. And then during and during that time, essentially every article was like music industry is destroyed. Record labels are going to not be relevant in five years. So what that, that caused me to jump ship from hopeless pretty quickly Okay, because I was just like terrified that yeah. I was like, I don't want to be at a record label when the bottom falls out. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I was like, but the bottom never really fell out. It's funny. They all managed to survive. It's funny. Know? Like I, I really think about that. Like that was a real recession. Yeah. But I think we're pretty similar in age and like our path of mm -hmm. when we were doing things. And it's like, I don't want to say I didn't feel it, yeah. but I think being that young and like you were just excited where it was yeah. like, yeah, cool. Like I get it, but there's not anything else I'm going to do. Like right. I'm going hundred percent. So like maybe there were things that were harder if we had yeah. known what it was like 10 years ago. Right. But we didn't know what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of just like it was necessity. <laughs> yeah. It's it funny. It was just necessity. It's cool to hear that from you actually. Yeah. Um. So, okay. So you make it out West. You yeah. did take the full-time job at Hopeless. Did take the full-time then... job at Hopeless. Um jump ship just because I was like, I don't know, like every article and industry trade that I should be trusting is yeah. saying that labels are just 
Am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Okay. Labels are just fucked. Hell yeah. Um, so I was like, well, I don't want to be fucked. I just got here. Yeah. And and then everything was like, the only place bands are making money is touring. So I was like, well, I'll just go to an agency then. You know, so actually, that was like my freak. And I just was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> shouts to you for that though, because like you're very observant in that, yeah. right? Like it, it really does seem like a theme that I didn't even think about in your career is it was pretty strategic. Yeah. You knew you wanted to be in music. But every step of this, you were very aware of what was happening in the climates and like. Yeah, I mean, I think I think most people that I'm not going to say I'm successful, but I think most very successful people that even I look up to, like we'll get into it later. But with Warped Tour, like even Kevin. Yeah. He looks at environmental factors, not like literal environment. Yeah, I mean, sometimes literal environment with yeah. bad weather. Yeah. But like the the ecosystem that exists around us, right? right. Of like what's happening on a bigger scale. Yeah. And because it ultimately will trickle down to you. Yeah. You may not feel it, right? You, We didn't feel the recession because we right. were just broke just out of college. It doesn't kids. matter, right? It doesn't matter. You're not going to get any not. more broke. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but like understanding and reading industry trades and trying to see where things are swinging yeah. can it at least help you say a step or two ahead. I mean, I, I again, I admire that. And I think that's a cool thing to take away from this episode yeah. because I think that a lot of my pivots were more emotional. Mm. And I admire that a lot. Yeah. I admire that you had that. Oh, there are plenty of emotions behind <laughs> all of it, but I tried to make some. <laughs> yeah. Some, I mean, I look like looking back, right? You know, I leaving Hopeless to go to APA ultimately got me to Warp Tour because it got me on touring side. But at the time, APA was one of the hardest things I've ever experienced. Talk to you, say that was the first gray hair you ever got. Yeah, I mean, first <laughs> actually, the first gray hair I got, I was like 16. But oh. this is the first patch, like visible patch of gray hair I ever got was APA. I legitimately think about that. Like people yeah. will be like, stress physically affected me. Oh, yeah. Like that is I a mean, your real hair thing. is silver because you chose to. My hair is silver because of <laughs> extreme stress. <laughs> We're laughing about it, but that's so yeah, fucked that's up. Fine. <laughs> so you go to APA and like... What is that? Is it just an instant change from working at a label to it that? It was an instant change. I almost a weekend called Hopeless and asked if I could come back. Fuck, really? Didn't make the phone call. We'll call it, it everything happens for a reason. Didn't make the phone call. And then like the next day I got word that they like hired a replacement for me. So I was like, shit, I'm here. Right. This yeah. is it. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> And what was your position at APA? Um, so I was a tour marketing coordinator for a year. What's that mean in English? So yeah, uh, <laughs> essentially when a band at that level, of, at an agency level goes on tour, uh, the agency side marketer coordinates working with the local promoters to make oh. sure all t that all, third, let's say there's 30 shows, all 30 shows have the same artwork, same ticket header, um, that they all go on sale at the same time, um, that you've worked out like when a, an agent does a show, I don't know, a, a deal memo, there's a line item for a marketing budget that yeah. both sides are, have the same number. Yeah. And what is the local promoter going to do with that money? Yeah. Um, well, that's actually like, that's a very valuable thing to have for somebody that cares. Yeah. It's, it's a little tricky. I always say, I say now sometimes like the agency marketers don't do real marketing you're just kind of like checking boxes. Well, but it's hard because at that volume, the volume of clients and the and the amount you have to get done, you you have to be able to lean on like the Live Nations and AEGs. Yeah, but it's it's like, I mean, I don't know. I know now what it's like 
to coordinate those details. Sure. You know, like you put together a tour, yeah. big or small, you do have art, you have all these yep. marketing assets, you have promoters that'll make the most ridiculous MS paint flyers on their own. Like <laughs> there are ridiculous. so many factors that you don't yeah. think about, but if you have somebody in that position that right. keeps things cohesive right. and keeps that yes. going, I completely get that. And that's a very cool, yeah. well, I don't know if it's a cool role. It's an important role. It's an important and you role. Probably it's an undervalued role. It's that's an important role and it's an undervalued role. Yes. And it is great for marketers that are more, uh, I've got the right brain, more analytical. Mm. that don't really want to do like super creative things or don't really yeah. want to. Yeah. It's because not it's the systematic. Same. It's systematic. Yeah. And you have to burn and churn. Like I, yeah. holy shit, like, uh, like Ali McGregor at CAA, Stephanie Myers at WME, like some of these women are just in the grind and they just burn and churn through tours. And yeah. like, I know that that's not the kind of marketer I am. Like right. I loved Warp Tour because it was one thing. Yeah. And yes, I did everything within that one thing. But you know the brand, you know the but mantra, exactly. you know like the, you, you know can live what it, breathe it is. It. Yeah. You can build it, you can change it, you can shape it. Yeah. When you have to burn and churn to that volume, it's, you couldn't do what I did for Warp Tour. It becomes that. a little It less, would be impossible. There's not as much of a spirit to it. It becomes more just yeah. checkbox. It becomes more like knock it out and make sure your client is serviced properly. Yeah. Not like reinvent the wheel. Right, right, right. Good Just way to put it. Different type of marketing. So how long do you stay at APA? Um, I think I was only there. I was there 18 months. Okay. I was one year as a coordinator. I had two people ahead of me. There was a lot of flip over in those two people. Yeah. And the flip over happened so sequentially that the APA team was like, well, screw it. We'll just give this coordinator like instead of just bringing in another outside hire, this person's now been through four people above them. Let's just give it to them. You're pretty familiar. Yeah, they know what's happening. Um, so I, yeah, so I took that plunge and then took that plunge and then got very torn between um, servicing the higher level clients that our agency had, which were like, you know, I did like a Boston and Journey tour. I did like air supply that's like an 80s soft yeah. rock band yeah but those are artists that are worth thousands of dollars in ticket sales i mean tens of thousands of dollars in ticket sales hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars in ticket sales those are like the bands that your parents like put on the calendar four months ahead yes. of time drop everything yes. and like it was it's a, lot. a holiday yeah. it's practically <laughs> a holiday for those fans yeah. when they go to those shows. it was a lot of like amphitheater shows and a lot of like casino runs. Yeah. Like soft ticket casino runs. Yeah. So I was doing that. And then to try and like feed my soul a little bit, that agency did have like Warp Tour agents in it. Yeah. You know, so it had like Andrew Ellis, who has like, um, gosh, Bayside and Manchester Orchestra and like yeah. artists like that say anything. I think, yeah. And then it had like yeah. uh, Jason Parent and Glashnitz and someone, you know, those are all New York guys, but a few out in LA. Yeah. So I would take those on as like a passion project. Yeah. Um, but those almost at times can require more servicing than the big guys. Right. The big guys have, you know, massive Live Nation national tour marketing behind them. Yeah. And these smaller tours, um, you know, it's like, $1,500 ad budget and you're yeah. trying to do everything you can. You have to get more DIY, you have yeah. to get more creative. Right. Yeah. So um, it's just different kind of marketing. But it was, yeah, it was gnarly and it was super corporate, which I wasn't ready for in yeah. music. And it was high volume, high stress, like, yeah. You said a term that I don't know if everybody listening would know and I think that you're qualified, but explain a hard ticket and a soft ticket real oh, fast. Okay. I think that's actually a cool little thing. Um, a hard ticket. So a hard ticket is essentially... Um, 
you go on tour, your band, you go on tour, you're a headliner, you are worth theoretically the tickets that have sold. Yeah. Right. So if you go into the Roxy and you sell 400 some tickets, that was a hard ticket. You, that lineup, whether it was one headliner and one opener or one headliner and three openers together had to be worth the $25 tickets that were sold and you sold 400 of There's them. There's no outside There's factor. No outside yeah. factor. That is it. A soft ticket is something. So a festival can be a soft ticket because theoretically the festival brand has some amount of, of equity and ticket sale capability. Yeah. Uh, casinos, because casinos give away so many tickets to like high rollers and uh, I don't know. They're VIP They're programs, VIP whatever, and yeah. whatever. They just give them away. Um, those, that's a soft ticket. Um, like county fairs are a soft ticket yeah. sometimes. Depends on the deal structure. Yeah. But would yeah. Colleges would fall into that maybe? Um, maybe. Yes and no. Depends on how the college – depends on the show is set up. Sometimes colleges do charge the students. Sometimes it's just anyone with a student ID gets in. Yeah. So cool. yeah. Nice. I just – I felt like that would be yeah. a fun one. I like it when like my qualified friends can like right. explain yeah, those yeah. things. It's essentially you know? like anything that's not – your band is in a club or amphitheater show that yeah. you have to sell those tickets. You have to yeah. be worth that room. Yeah. yeah. Sick. Okay. So APA, 18 months there. Yeah. What happens next? Um, knew I wanted to work for Warp Tour since the beginning, like we said back in high school, like I Warp Tour, Warp Tour, the scene, the scene. Um, felt like I did the label thing and that really wasn't changing because we were only until 2014 at this point. So it was still kind of like, what's happening with streaming? What's going on? And I was like, all right, I'm either gonna work for the Warp Tour or I'm out of the industry. Like that's like I'm gonna figure this out and work for the thing that I love. Or I'm just gonna bail and go have a normal like business job because yeah. I'm not gonna have gray hair, shitty pay, and get yelled at every day. Yeah, for this, like for not something that I care about. <laughs> so the fact that it was like so stressful and so much was probably a good thing because it made you realize it faster. Yeah. yeah, it made me realize it faster, and it made me realize that I'm not gonna put up with that shit in my life. Yeah, and I really empathize with the assistants that don't wake up and realize that they don't have to deal with that. Yeah. And unless you want to make agent. There yeah. are plenty of people that just they want to make agent and that's it and they're going to put up with it and that's great. But for like some of the kids that are just kind of there and they like might want to do other things, it's like, yo, this isn't yeah. normal. Like Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Just let you know like you don't have to subject yourself to this. I honestly I want more booking agents on the podcast because that is a side of the music industry that is fucking wild yeah like, and they're not all i mean there are many many agents that are very kind to their assistants and all of that but the culture of the an, an agency can be that, that right way. well because it's like it's not the agent's fault it's like how cutthroat every aspect is yeah. and i feel like it's just so direct and it's so numbers and like it, it yeah. just it's a very interesting side of music to yeah. me. And I, I think that the the people that can navigate it and don't take it personally and that can just get it done yeah. are superstars. Yeah. And they can just rock it. Like I the first person I think of is like Ryan Soroka, where yeah. he's oh, so I love him. funny yeah. and like doesn't give a shit. Yeah. But then he can just go business mode right. and like do those but things. But he did it on his own. That's right. Yeah. But like I just it's such a if you have the mind for it, yeah. I think it. Well, I don't know because I'm know. not and I don't. But and then it's like there's I think such a clicks. difference. Yeah. I think there's also such a difference between responsible agents and territorial agents. Just oh. like a whole other sidebar. So you should absolutely do a yeah. agent podcast. But an like, agent podcast. Yeah. Like territory agents, they're just dudes or, or girls, women, they're people yeah. that get a list that's like, hey, these 20 bands need to be routed through or like how need shows 
in the Midwest area and your territory is the Midwest. And literally all you do is just pick up the phone and call those promoters and try to slot them in. Yep. You're not versus a responsible agent. It's more like career focused. It's yeah. like you got to worry about what size rooms you're going into. That you have to give instructions to the territorial agents yeah. to get your shit booked. Yeah, it's yeah, it's cool. But it's also I love having you because you did experience that, and then in Warp Tour, like you actually have a ton of knowledge on that. Yeah, so it's cool. You have a ton of knowledge on it, but you also have enough knowledge and self awareness where you're like, cool, that wasn't my yeah, path. Yeah. <laughs> I know it. Yeah. I understand it. Yeah, I appreciate so, that. I tried a lot of different things early on in my career. That's actually yeah. really cool because yeah. I have very varied knowledge buckets. Right, call them. Yeah, and you really do. Like certain yeah. people have tried things. Like I almost regret that where I've tried things, but I didn't get the full deep dive of like I. I can't go quite as gritty as you mm. on on every different thing. You know, like I was a front of house for a couple of years on Crazy. tour. And like, I yeah, could I never can, do that. Well, right. But <laughs> if I'm talking to another front of sure. house, <laughs> the way that you can talk about certain things, I can be like, oh yeah, that Midas board. Or like, yeah. you know, I know a couple and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, you want to, you know, noise gates here and you want to yeah. cut these frequencies. But like... Could I really impress somebody or sure. like, could I really front like I'm a front of house? Nah. nah. So like, I, I respect that you did it really enough to yeah. know. That's fair. Yeah. So then you get to Warp Tour. Then I get to Warp Tour. Yeah. So I was like, I'm in and I'm out. And I was at a show when I knew I was going to leave. I was at a show. It was the House of Blues in LA or Hollywood before it got turned, turned, yeah. torn down. RIP. Uh, RIP. I missed that venue. Man. It was cool. It was so good. Um, and I was sitting talking to Brittany DeLava, mm-hmm. who at the time was Dave Shapiro's like coordinator. Okay. And just all around amazing girl. And was looking to make a jump as well. And is now at book AG. I don't want to get that wrong. AG Golden Voice. Yeah, she's like a national booker. Um, but I was like telling her, I was like, yeah, man, like it's like warped to our bust. And she was like, Well, I have an inside tip that they might have a job yeah. coming down the pipeline. And so, what year is this? This would have been 14. 14. Fall of 14. Okay. I want to paint a picture too, yeah. because I think that from what I can tell the listeners on this podcast, like people come from all sorts of different genres and yeah. all that. And like Warp Tour, I don't know, just the picture of Warp Tour mm-hmm. from, I want to say like 2008 yeah. through 2016 ripped. Yeah, so I mean, I wish I had the. I could probably pull up if I had Dropbox on my phone, which I might. The historical ticket sales, but it ripped to Warp Tour ripped from five to twelve. Yeah, five to twelve. Okay, was like that was gangbusters. Like, that was the yeah. rip. So yeah, for you to then get into it in fourteen, yeah. like just just because like I want to emphasize to paint that picture yeah. of like that's important and that has been like. That was your formative years. That yes. was the pinnacle yeah. festival. Yes. That was everything. So yes. like, like, like 2005, 2012, I was, we, I would have been 14 to 21. Right. Let's so, do that math right. Something like that. Something, yeah. So like, uh, like for it's anybody. Your formative years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's like, that's the festival you grew up going to. Yeah. It's the thing you idolize and it's at its peak. Right. So just for the sake of this being a timeless podcast, right? right? Like. That was important and getting the job at that time represents so much. It doesn't matter what the festival is. It's just the festival. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, so I, I, um, kind of dropped them an email, them being, uh, like Julie Grant, who is Kevin's head of operations. Yep. I knew her through mutual friends, uh, 
we had met a few times. So I dropped her an email. They were like, oh yeah, we actually are interviewing. Come on in. So that was all through the fall. It was like November. Yeah. Um, so I interviewed with them. Dude, I still remember that interview. Um, Kate Truscott, who's the head of sponsorships. Yeah. And now a dear friend. If I'm yeah. sidebarring too much, just no, let no, me no. know. You're good. You're okay. good. She, one of the interview questions was, how do you take constructive criticism? Yeah. And um, <laughs> I, I fucking said, I fucking said, I said, well, uh, my father's Jewish and my mother's Roman Catholic. So quite well, because I've been criticized my entire life. <laughs> And like the whole room, all of them, Julie, Allison, Kate, all just started cracking up. They were like, all right then. <laughs> they're just like, cool. Like, they're like, yeah, we, we get that. We yeah. get, yeah, you're that's, good. <laughs> that's amazing. I yeah. love that you shared that detail. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget that. So yeah. So anyway, we, um, I got the job. That's yeah. the short end of that. Cool. Got job. And what check. was the job? Um, at the time I sat in between Mark, the, it's a very small company. There was literally one person for each role. There was a marketer, operations person, um, two sponsorship women at the time. And then like one kind of super assistant coordinator, whatever. So that was going to be me. It was like, I took a step back to take a step forward. Um, so I sat in between marketing and sponsorships because there were communication breakdowns and because naturally those two things tend to intersect. Yep. A lot of sponsorship deals include marketing elements. Yeah. So I was executing that and I yeah. was sitting between the two. And then after the first summer, it became pretty apparent that I could just do that and all of marketing yeah. and like make improvements to marketing um, on a content. Mostly it was content. The content Warped Tour was producing at the time was not great. Yeah. Um, and it was finding better ways to integrate sponsors digitally. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah. So like 16, 16, 17, and then the final two warp doors. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, it's funny, like, I think that the reason why, like I have all, all of the respect in the world for mm-hmm. Kevin Lyman for warp tour. I think it's so important. I think that it gave so many people the foundation. It was like the real life college. And it's yeah. like, uh, it was the music industry college. Right. hundred percent. And it, it was such a, not DIY, but it, it was not the same as other festivals where you had to work. It was real work yeah. and it wasn't this huge operation. It really came down to a few people. Yeah. So the lessons that people learn in the tour, if they worked hard, like I think that those are universally applicable to everything. Yeah. And like so crazy and no, you don't quite learn the same. Like it's no. just such a gritty DIY way to learn. Yeah. And I love that. So like you were saying that about like sponsorships and digital and like that's so interesting to me. And mm-hmm. I've seen you apply that so much now yeah. in what you do. So like take a second, like tell me about like what I say a day in the life of that or like what that really looked like in the thick of it of like yeah. – are you negotiating like with big brands like Monster and Vans? Are you setting up like what's so, that look like? I don't do so the sponsorship girls would do the negotiations. Yeah. So essentially, I guess we could break it down into two verticals. If it's just marketing, yeah. so like just the marketing elements of Warp Tour, I had to control everything from the website, yeah. social media, yeah. content, artwork, uh, video, what else? Uh, SMS, like text campaigns. Yeah email, which is like newsletter campaigns, mm-hmm. um, anything that involved those, I had to get it done. Yeah. I didn't necessarily create it myself. I hired designers, I hired videographers, I hired a web developer, right. but I had to coordinate the information, facilitate it, set due dates, set budgets, execute all of that. Yeah. So if you ever saw anything related to creative yeah. or you went to our website or you looked at our socials, that was me. Yeah. Um, 
when it tied to sponsorships is when the girls would do the deal, I would get handed the deal points. I would scan through it and extract like, oh, lo- everything as simple as logo on the website, yep. right? Okay, that's basic. Yep. Up to like custom content that had to be produced on site and posted yeah. for on behalf of a sponsor. Yeah. So we did a bunch of it. It started like the first couple trials were um, – like Twix was a sponsor one year, yeah. and it was that right Twix, left Twix thing. That's right. So we pit two bands against one another, mm-hmm. and we had them run around the festival convincing kids to choose their right Twix or left Twix. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know, 45-minute shoot, and I had like a videographer um, and an on-screen talent, and yeah. we literally would just ran around, and when it got wonky, yeah. I would have to like produce it. Like we'd have to fake it sometimes. Right. Like sometimes if if we just had a day that was super hot and kids did not want to be involved. Yeah, like, your candy's like me. melting all over your yeah. hands. You're like, we would right. go run and grab like the sponsor kids, right? Like the kids in other booths that were like excited, and we would, we would have to like produce the content. Yeah. A lot of the times we would get lucky and have kids that really wanted to be engaged, yeah. which was perfect because yeah. We want it to be authentic, mm-hmm. but I have to be there and on the fly and I have to make those kind of calls. Yeah. Um, stuff like a webcast, you know, we did multiple yeah. webcasts. I have to be involved in that. Um, right. Clearing the rights to every single person that's going to, for all the bands that are going to be on that webcast. Um, so gosh, I would, I had it, I wasn't in the truck while they were live editing, but I, cause I was in my production office, but I would have it up on my feed while I was doing my own stuff. Yeah. And I would tell them, I would say like, Hey, like, don't shoot low and up on this one like yeah, lead singer like please you're, like you're they, overseeing and you're, running a yeah, lot yeah you're giving this poor singer some like you know fat vibes like, yeah, yeah. like like do it let's all do ourselves another favor like i'd have to like live give them notes while it was going on wild so yeah. i have a question on that so because i saw you in action yeah. in that and it's like it's almost hard to explain in a podcast like you say all those things and like yeah that's it but seeing what that actually looks like is so much fucking work yeah so like what do you think in doing all of that and learning and mastering that? Like, what are some skills now that you think were the most valuable that you had in that? Um, the single most valuable skill me or anyone can have is organizing information. Mm. I live and die in Google spreadsheets. Like, it's because there is so much that comes. You have 60 bands on this tour, each with different different labels, different contacts, different photos, logos, different uh, deals, who goes on what stages, can they be moved around on stages? All of that stuff has to be um, coordinated. So I think for me, it was like just being able to manage a massive scale of information. And when I, if you, if you have young listeners, inbox management early on in your career is incredibly important. Um, knowing how to manage Google Sheets and knowing how to track information and update grids and stuff like that is incredibly important. Yeah. Um, and I always tell my interns, I'm like, this is how I do something. I will train you exactly how I do it. You can do it however you want, but if something slips through the cracks or it gets fucked up, then yeah. that's on you because I trained, I taught you how to do it my way. That's exactly what I was looking for because yeah. like if anybody has an interest in what you do, I like the idea of something tangible that they can start mastering, right? And honestly, something is like you saying something like Google Sheets is cool because you don't really have to go further than that. Like there are so many YouTube videos and Googleable searches. So it's almost just like find a task, find a way to challenge yourself to sort data and organize data and then just Google everything you can't figure out. I mean, if you're a young band on tour right now, like your weekly wraps of ticket sales, yeah. Or your historical tickets. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like keep a grid. Yeah. And your grid should be the first tab or the first 
column should be the year. Mm-hmm. The second column should be the date that the, the show happened, the city, the venue, who that venue contact was, how many tickets were sold, what the ticket price was, what the gross of the show was. Because if you – and then go even further. How many? How much merch did you sell? What was your per head of that show? And if you keep that over time, when you get to a bigger band or you need to start making calls, how much merch do we print? You know, what what markets are we playing? Well, you can see, oh, we're doing a run of only New England shows. Those are our biggest shows. Yeah. So we need more merch. Oh, we're going to the Southeast. We don't need that much merch. We don't sell merch down there. Yeah. I think to add to that, what I watch you do that is so impressive is it doesn't really matter the scale of things when you have data, yeah. right? And I will look at something and I'll be like, this is so big, this is so many people, whatever. And you'll kind of talk me off that ledge really big. Well, yeah. all right, what data do we have? Yeah. And then we'll do that and we'll sit down, we'll make a sheet. Yeah. And then when you can start to look at numbers and when you have the tools, the basic understanding, yeah. like you were saying, to work in Google Sheets mm-hmm. or Excel or whatever, and you learn to use that data and make it show you something that you're looking for. Yeah it becomes a lot more confrontable and approachable. Yeah. And like what you're saying about like keeping all of that data yeah. as a touring band Keep or as band an artist. expenses. Yeah. Where are you hemorrhaging money? It's really actually Is it actually that- gas or did you all just go to freaking Taco Bell? Exactly. Are you expensing every meal yeah. in the band, whatever? And it's really not that hard too. I think that is a very easy thing to do of like literally start a Google sheet. Yeah. And take those titles, right? Like, like so ticketing, mm-hmm. list them off again. Because I think that, that for anybody in an artist yeah. position, like, it's like experiment with it's this. Like it's ticketing, fun. Ticketing, merch. Yep. Um, so how many tickets expenses. you're selling. How many tickets you're selling, what the price was. Yep. Because that will change as you grow as an artist. Yep. Um, merch. Yeah, how much you're selling. How much you're selling. And you I can do that, dollar per head off that. Per head. And then what What were your top selling shirts? Was it a long sleeve? Was it a black t-shirt? It should be a black t-shirt. If it's not, <laughs> I'm floored, please call me. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yeah. um, or was it a jersey? Did you do really high-priced jerseys? Whatever yeah. it is. Um, being able to log all of that yep. in, in and to use that in the future to project yeah. is yeah. Promoter contact. Promoter contact. I think that's one. That's a huge one. I, I probably what could be marketing more, did you do? Yeah. If, if any. any. Yeah. How much, how many dollars did you spend yeah. on ads there? Yeah. I mean, we can, I don't know how much time we have, but we can like, even small bands, small bands, if you buy Instagram, Facebook ads and it's $50 a show, whatever. Yeah. That's not, it could be a lot to a small band. It's not astronomical, but that might move the needle. Like you might actually move more tickets, even with a small $50 investment. I remember an exercise that we did that was so valuable and simple. You were helping me with the version three tours. Mm -hmm. And I want to get into this. This is perfect. But we looked at deal memos, different deal memos. And I think I like to talk about this because I think that a lot of times I'll get artists that'll hit me up now that are on a completely DIY level. They don't necessarily work with a booking agent yet. They're trying to figure out how to book shows and all that. So I think talking about deal memos in the yeah. simplest form is important yeah. too. So with the version three tour, it was a lot of artists that hadn't really been proven, like they hadn't proven their ticket sales. So we took a lot of deals that were door deals or very right. like conservative splits. So when what, what we looked at was we took all the deal memos and we looked at solid guarantees, like you're getting X dollars per show no right. matter what. Yep. Certain shows had a back end that yep. said if you sell X amount of tickets, 100 or more tickets in this room or whatever – if you gross this much money past whatever the expenses are, right. you're going to get a percentage on the back right. um, of bonus, basically. Right. And certain were door deals where it yeah. said, 
you walk in there with zero dollars and right. however many tickets you yeah. sell. If you sell five tickets, we're going to pay you a ticket. What, 10 bucks? 10 bucks probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah You'll walk yeah. out of there with 10 bucks. Exactly. You sell five tickets. Yeah. Right. So like we, what we did was we looked at all of that. And from there, we were, we were able to say, where does it make sense to put advertising dollars? Correct. Because with the solid guarantees that we knew we weren't going to hit back end, like matter. just looking at the ticket sales, yeah. it wasn't going to get there. No. All right, that's fine. Like it'll yeah. be an okay show. Just take your money Naturally, and run. organically promote it yeah. as much as you can. Take your money and go. There were certain shows. The LA show, by the time we were looking at it, already hit back end. Right. We already hit enough tickets. So for every dollar that we we figured out that what like it cost us, how many dollars per ticket sale on Facebook ads? Yeah, let's figured? say it's like a two dollar conversion. Yeah, per ticket. Yeah. So let's say the ticket was ten dollars. Whatever yeah. the deal was, let's say you were. Let's say if tickets ten dollars for every incremental ticket you sell. Let's yep. say you got a dollar. Yeah. Right. Well, if it took us two dollars to convert extra tickets, then there's no point to us doing any marketing. Exactly. Because you're only making a dollar for every incremental it takes. But exactly. it took me two dollars in marketing to sell that ticket. Yeah. Versus if you're on a door deal. And you make zero. Now it's well. Are if are we going to spend money on marketing to save a show just to get bodies in the room? Because then it's a philosophical question. Now it's do we have the money to spend? Yep. And are we doing that just to show good face to the promoter? Exactly. And to make sure the room isn't empty. Yep. You know. Yeah. Every scenario is different, and just throwing the same amount of money at every show may not be the best case for your band. Right. Um, but there are certain ones. So like we really did figure that out. Right. Where it was like we put an extra couple hundred. Like I honestly, it was like $100 a show. It wasn't much. No. But it paid off. That $100 made us mm-hmm. 200 Right. And then there were more kids. Right. And that was more merch and more things merch, like that. More merch, more everything. So that was a very cool way on a very DIY level yeah. that we were able to yeah. do that. And that scales all the way up to something like Warp Tour. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, so Warp Tour, a lot of people don't know, it was a zero, it was a zero guarantee show. Mm. So we were a door deal. The entity that is Warp Tour was at a door deal with Live Nation. We paid the bands no matter what, but yeah. our take was based on ticket sales. Yeah. So and and sometimes it would change for non-Live Nation shows and independent promoters and stuff like that. But Kevin used to always say to me, make the big shows bigger. Don't try to save the shows that are shot. Wow. Because of the way that the deal was structured. So we made more money if the big if we hit those back end numbers. Yeah. So instead of dumping more money into the shows that were shot, yeah. it made sense to play catch up on a show like Chicago or Wontaw, which is yeah. New York or Philadelphia. Because you can make those, you can get 20, 25,000 people there instead of trying to save the Phoenix show that's going to be right. 8,000 no matter what we do. That's actually really cool that it's that scalable. Yeah. Right? Because like where we were turning $100 into $200, right. like why not turn 1,000 to 2,000, right. 10,000 to 20,000? Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. And do you feel that the basic skills that you learned, like it does scale like that? Like, like is it any scarier for you to turn 10 to 20K? No. Yeah. I just, what's... It's not scarier for me because I don't. It's not your money. It's not my money. <laughs> it's called OPM, other people's money. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I apply the same logic no matter how much I scale it. Yeah. Just because I have $20,000 or $100 doesn't mean I'm going to just spend the $20,000 suboptimally. Right. And I think that that's so important. It's like that's a fundamental skill that you can learn. Right. As an artist of any size, you can start playing around with yeah. it. You can find what is my pro- – you can do it with merch, online merch. You can do it with, do it with anything. You can do it with music videos. I was just talking to someone yesterday. I was like, 
I, and I said, I said, if you have $10,000, if you're like a mid-sized band, whatever, you're on a label, you're a smaller band on a label, or you're a large independent band, yeah. and you have a 10, you get somehow get a $10,000 video budget. Yeah. Well, content's pretty cheap nowadays. So instead of spending $10,000 on the video, spend $5,000 on the video and $5,000 marketing it. Yeah. Because the average kid can't tell the difference between a $10,000 video and a $5,000 video. Right. But, when but you if you have no reach. you to reach right, people. Exactly. If, you're doing something good. If you make a $10,000 video, but two people see it, you're better off having a $5,000 video that you spend $5,000 in hitting people with yeah. video views on Facebook or uh, YouTube views or anything. Yeah. Just like like so, targeting similar bands. Here's a fun next question. Cause I honestly, like I, I kind of challenge myself on this and I, I play around with things, but I don't know. I think you know better than I do. So I'm happy to ask you. You're an artist with a 5k budget. Mm -hmm. You're an artist with an anything budget. Where are you paying attention to ads right now? Well, first it depends on the type of artist, um, like the genre, the age, the age of the fans, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Um, we'll use Waterparks as an example. Waterparks sure. is a pop punk band. Yeah. Um, average fan is probably 16 to 25. Yeah. Uh, majority female. Yeah. So I'm going to go heavy on Snapchat, Twitter, and YouTube. Okay. Probably Instagram will get maybe a little too expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, but a band like Knocked Loose that I also bought ads for is heavy male, 18 yeah. to 36. Yeah. Uh, mostly Midwest. Yeah. Some coasts, but a lot of Midwest. So that's going that's going to go Facebook to the max. Oh yeah. Um and then YouTube as well. Okay. So it depends. It depends. You have to know like the and and anyone think about it in your only daily life, right? I'm 30 years old. I barely use Snapchat. Right. I sure as shit don't use TikTok. Right. I understand it because I'm a marketer and I'd yeah. be a moron not to understand what it's it is. It's pretty fun right now. I've gotten to on watch. it because I have to learn it, but yeah. I don't use it in my exactly. own life. Yeah. Um so yeah, so like I, but I know if I'm working with the young, like let's say a young K-pop band, K-pop band came to me, wants to market. Well, I'm gonna go heavy on TikTok, yeah, because it's young kids. It's yeah. like that's what you're marketing to. So then the next question there is, you find your demographic, you have a feeling of your demographic. Mm -hmm. How do you start to learn ads? Like, is it just a lot of googling? Like, like a lot of googling, yeah, and just trying. Okay. Like when I first got in there, you know, it was seventy some cents a click, mm -hmm. and then I learned that. I needed to optimize more and, you know, you learn it like anything, yeah. but there's a lot of great resources on YouTube. Uh, Facebook has a program, Facebook and Instagram, because it's the same bucket. Yeah. Uh, has a program called blueprint. Yeah. That's basically e-learning courses. Oh really? Yep. Wow. You can even take a test and get certified if you Whoa. want. Twitter has a thing called flight school. Whoa. You can, yeah, they provide you resources. They want you to succeed on they their platform because they want you to spend money on their money. platform. Yeah. It's not like everyone thinks it's like this big mystery shrouded in a cloud, right? Or like, you know, yeah. oh, the algorithm. It's like, no, no, yeah, the algorithm, you're never going to beat the algorithm. So right. it's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's just learning the tools and doing well enough, you know? Right. Well, and I, I, I love that you say that too because like, oftentimes I think about it and I'm like, man, like I wish I was better at these ads and like all of this. And it's honestly, I'm just being lazy. Like, sure. I, 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 think I mean, I don't real, know how to use logic. You're being non-lazy right. in other avenues. But like, <laughs> and that's to the exact point. Like I had enough drive, passion and interest to start a podcast where yeah. I didn't know how to fucking open a DAW. I didn't know what a DAW was. I still don't know what a DAW is. Uh, digital audio work. Sure. Space. Is it like a weird file type meant for logic? No, no, no. Like it's just like it's the thing that you record in. Oh, so like GarageBand okay. is a DAW, Logic is a DAW, okay. Pro Tools. Yeah. I didn't know any of that, right? Yeah. And I probably butchered what that stands for. I'm sure. But 
it was enough where I was like, I'm passionate about a podcast and this is a step that I have to learn. Mm -hmm. I have to learn about a compressor. I have to learn about these things because that means that I get to the thing that I'm excited to do. Yeah. And deep down, my honesty is I'm not excited to do ads and to learn yeah. marketing. It's okay. But I, and it is okay. <laughs> but I, I love hearing your side of it because yeah. you're so freaking good at it. Yeah. And you did take the time to learn it. Yeah. So I think that it's I mean, cool. I was sort of into the deep end. Sorry to cut you off. No, please. But like, I wasn't, I mean, again, like when we talk about tour marketing, quote unquote, like wasn't real marketing. Like I didn't learn to do ad buying when I was at the agency. Mm. It wasn't until I got to Warp Tour and I got handed the marketing budget yeah. And the marketing budget included ads that yeah. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. I, mean, I got to teach myself real quick. Yeah. And then I had a chip on my shoulder to be better than the person before me Whoa. and have better cost per clicks and better conversion rates. Yeah. And so it, it just, you know, yeah. fueled that fire. I, I think the thing, like, I love all of that. And it's cool. Like, this is exactly why I started the podcast is like, everybody has their things that they're great at. Yeah. And it's okay not to be great at some things. And like, where you have, like, every job that you took, yeah. every piece of your story led you to a position where you're good at this and yeah. where you were down to take the time to learn that and to go through the courses and to know Excel and to take the time to Google and say, this CPM is good right now. And like, I mean, for a listener, if you are interested, you can Google the the average rates every year right. and like all the information is there yeah. if you care to learn it. Right. And you're an example of somebody that cared to learn it. Yeah. And for me, like when I talk with younger bands now, the number one thing I say is never give up control of your social media. Whoa. They all, all these bands now are hiring out social media people. It is the wrong move. Really? hundred percent. Like. What? Uh, if that's you've, to that's me, a great thing to talk about. To me, if you have a band, if you had five people um, focus on the same common goal. Yeah. Sit down as a band and figure out what you all want to do besides music. Right. Mm. And always think like, and this is a whole nother podcast. I'm like diversification of band income, diversification of band member income for the long time yeah. success or long time strategy of your own employment and your own financial standing. Yeah. But like if it was me and I had five people dedicated to the same goal, find the one that's inclined in content yeah. or marketing. Find the one that likes numbers. Yeah. And all of you take a job right. in that in that band. Take yeah. onus of something. Yeah. If you're the merch guy, you know, if you're the merch person, it's going to look at all the merch numbers. If you're yeah. The lead singer that also wants to know about booking. Like I look at, I kind of look at like Soupy from the Wonder Years. The Wonder Years did a good job of that where they all kind of took onus of a thing, Yeah, you know? Well, actually, let me ask you a question though because so much of what I've seen and like what I've been excited about with anything version three yeah. is not bands anymore. It's solo right. artists who have okay. learned to make their own music yeah. and kind of get stuck being the everything. Right. And so tough. I, and I don't know the answer to this, but like, I don't know, like, what do you think of that? Like somebody like a solo artist or somebody that's pursuing their own thing? Yeah. I mean, it's the same, at some point everybody needs a manager. Yeah. Um, but I think for solo artists, I mean, God, some of these solo artists are better marketers than me just because they, it's insane. It's, it's innate inside of them. Yeah. I had to learn it. I wasn't naturally a creative person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for them, Shit, man, try to put a digital marketer, not on retainer because you don't have the money, but on like a commission standing. Yeah. Like if they can grow. I guess if I'm thinking out loud with yeah. you just in the moment in the discussion, I would probably find the thing like, you know, the way that you gravitated and understood ads better than I do and the way that I took the time to learn mm -hmm. an audio recording thing, like probably double down on your strength and master the thing that you're naturally gravitating yeah. toward and then start looking for the people that 
it seems to click. Right. Look for right. your team that's going to surround like, you. I found my Steph. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like when I really need help yeah. with ads, I yeah. know I can only go so far and then right. I come to you and I'm like, yeah. yo, what do we have to do here? Yeah. So I guess that's probably a good way to do it yeah. too, right? Yeah. But I love what you say about social media and I, I actually think you're quite right where things, I think content got so good that you can't really game the system or look more legit than you are by just having like a great photo or video. No. It has to be authentic and it has to be consistent. Yeah. And the only way to be authentic and consistent is to be yourself and right. to keep doing it. Yeah. No so, no digital marketer can mimic your own voice. Yeah. It happen. Yeah. Some and do it far worse. Some will try. I mean, we all try. Yeah. And some will do it far worse well, than others. Even for you, right? Like when you are hired to work with an artist, yeah. you would be so much happier if that artist is putting out all of their own content and then you're able to put fuel on that fire right. and you're not having to start from scratch right. and guess what an artist would say. Right. When you have copy from an artist to promote a tour, 100%. when it's in their own words and it's their own photos, you're so much happier. Not only am I so much happier, it does better. Yeah. Like, because I A-B test ads. Mm -hmm. which is A-B testing is putting two things and only changing one factor, so yeah. which does better. Yeah. Um, and nine times out of 10, if it was like something I came up with versus if I modified, if I pulled a bunch of different language from the band's Instagram or Facebook and changed things here or there, yeah. those ones are always going to perform better. Really? Yeah, because yeah. the fans can tell. It just makes sense. They're not dumb. It seems so simple, right? Like, like we can take all this time and analyze it. Yeah. And it's just like, well, at the end of the day, like, yeah. they follow you because they like you. Also, so many, only so many bands can be stoked to come on your tour. <laughs> <laughs> stoked to see Every you, Kansas City. Comes, stoked to see, it's like, what the fuck? Give me anything else. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think the more creative you can become with the, what feels like necessary evils, like yeah. everybody has to promote their shows. It's part of it. Oh, yeah. The more creative you can become, the more that will stand out and the more you might game the algorithm right. or get past all of the noise. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, another thing that I wanted to ask, because we're in such a good rip of just yeah, like yeah. actionable advice. Just and this is a two-hour-long podcast. I love this, though, right? Like, <laughs> just this is punish the whole... your listeners. Just yeah. punish them. But no, it's good. Right? Like, I, I really think that if I – I wish I could have listened to this conversation yeah. and had someone as qualified as you when I was trying to figure this out. Sure. Like. I listen to podcasts so I can learn this stuff. So, like, when I have a you, I'm like, give me everything. Yeah. <laughs> so – Another thing that I think is interesting that you did um, was when Warp Tour was in full rip, you hired so many content creators. Yeah. It's a very, very popular career right now to yeah. be a videographer, a photographer, a content yeah. creator. As a professional and as a company with money to hire someone for those roles, what do you look for? If somebody is in that role and they want to get a job, because mm -hmm. I think that, again, this applies yeah. more Warp Tour or not. Yeah. What, uh, as the, as the company hiring, what are some things that you can do to deliver a product that would get you hired? Yeah. Um, man, I mean, as it pertained to warp tour, this is your vent sesh. Tell me the things you hate. Tell me the that, things that people <laughs> should not do. Well, I actually just, I hired, uh, I call him Chris Roman, Chris Sims, um, who's like Sean Mendez. He did some stuff for Sean Mendez. He did Don Broco. I just hired him for an esports thing like two weekends ago. Yeah. And we were joking and I said, you know, if you're a content creator and you want uh, you want to be rehired, you want consistent rehires, 
take photos of the people that hired you. Wow. Everyone, everyone focuses on the job at hand. Yeah. But if you, and like no one ever takes photos of like the production people. Yeah. But if you deliver, if you give us at the end photos of us. Yeah. We are 100% going to hire you because we're just as guilty as everybody else that we want content. Yeah. For our own feeds. Yeah. Right. So like I, I kind of made that joke, but then I was like, it's actually really true. Well, but that's once you get hired. That so also- how to get hired. <laughs> Let's pause real quick yeah. and talk about that for a second. I think that there's another thing there of like, take the time to remember somebody's name, right? Like yeah, oh, what 100%. you just explained is caring about people. Right. It's not, it's, you're taking, you're passionate enough about something where it's not just the surface level job. It's right. not saying you asked me for 10 photos of this, here's 10 right. photos. Yeah. You're saying you asked me for 10 photos of this, here's 11, here's some photos of y'all. Mm-hmm. I remembered your names. How's your day? Right. Human shit. Yeah. And I think too, when look, when you're young and on the come up, it's like, under promise and over deliver. If I hire you for 10 photos and maybe in my instructions, I you hit everything I said, but maybe you're, hey, look, I, I am the producer. I'm the hire. I will give you as much instructions as I can, but I'm not a creative. I don't, so if you see something that I didn't get, get it and deliver it. And it's not, if you're young in your career, the 11th photo, the 20th photo, is it you, the marginal difference of time it took you to do that is still small enough that it behooves you to do that. Yeah. Now, when you're 10, 15 years deep, when you're, you know, like a Thomas Falcone or El Macias or Watanabe or Eric Rojas or any of these guys, maybe it's not worth your time, right? right. Like maybe that marginal amount of time isn't going to make or break that relationship. Yeah. But when you're young and hungry, like, shit, man, do extra stuff. Like go the extra mile, you know? You did everything wide. Now give do it vertical so I have stuff for the Instagram story. I forgot to make that note for you, but you saw it and you were thinking. And like I will value that tenfold, you know? That's huge. And someone someone from Live Nation, I was just talking. They were like, how do you find these creatives? They're like, your, your team on Warped were like a well-oiled machine, you know? And it's like, well, one, I found people that were good at what they did, that were hungry enough to even attempt Warped Tour. And then I gave them good instructions, but then trusted them to do their job, you know? Um, but they only got that way because they earned my trust to do that. You know, yeah. I had I had some creatives that I had to handhold yeah. to get every fucking shot. And they probably won't get the rehire. No. So Never go back the to the, how do you get that job? <laughs> how do you get that job? Um, yeah, I think, look, I think it's um, shooting your local shows. Um, it's, it's finding the people and talking to them. I shockingly rarely had people reach out to me to be a warp Tour photographer. Really? Like ever, like maybe five times a year. And those people I would try to hire. Wow. Even if it was just for their local show. Hey man, I, I don't have a lot of budget. I got 150 buck day rate. I can give it to you in cash. You're not past that $500 threshold where I have to process paperwork for you. Yeah. Fine. But it got you in the door, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of kids, it would just be, I would see a lot of it came from like other bands photographers. And as small, like Ryan Watanabe, his first year out was just with one small band and yeah. went on to do massive things because yeah. he was kind. He was, um, yeah, he was kind. He worked hard. He delivered for his clients. And, you know, I hate to say it, but like he kept his mouth shut. You know, it's like out on the road, there's so many dynamics and so many personalities. You just kind of need that person to just get in there, get it done and move on for you. But now, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because I'm sure a lot of kids are like, well, I shoot my local shows and I am doing this stuff. But it's like, well, did you send that, those videos or those photos to the band and mm-hmm. the manager and the publicist and the social media person yeah. and the agent? Like, did yeah. you put them all on copy of one email that said, hey, here's the Dropbox from tonight's show? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I want to say probably not. I don't, I don't know. Um, and I think a lot of people, you're going to have to get in that van and do that van tour when it's nothing you know and you're working for your per diem and that's about it and it's going to be savage i do this the creative career path is one i very much am concerned about with warp tour going away really because it gave so many people warp tour was actually a lot of times where it was the band's first time bringing a crew member on an extra crew member like a videographer oh yeah because warp tour paid for the catering we right. pay for their food. So a lot of kids were out there just working for a bus spot. Right. And it was so glamorous to have a bus spot and right. catering and right. a laminate. Yes. That like you would do it. You would do it. Yeah. And so a lot of kids got their start just working for a bus spot. Yeah. And they went on to do huge things. Right. I, mean, I look at like Elliot. I don't think Elliot Ingham just worked for a bus spot. But when he came onto Warp Tour, he was very new and green. Elliot's and then, first. I think I met Elliot. On his first U.S. tour, he was out with Set It Off and Against the Current on a Glamour Kills tour in 2013, shooting on a Canon T2i. And he was the kid that had an edge up on video. Right. And I think he applied a lot of the things that you said. Like, he kept his mouth shut. He worked really hard. He turned a quick product. Now he's follow-up boys photographer. Yeah, now he's follow-up boys photographer. You can't just be a photographer anymore. Yeah. you got to be able to do both. Yeah, It's got to be photo and graphics or photo and video. Or you have to be well-rounded. I think at least to start, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's I, I think that answers it really well though, right? Yeah. Like you reading the room, finding what's needed and wanted, like asking people mm-hmm. and then deliver over yeah. under promise, over deliver. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's really cool. I appreciate you weighing in on that too, right? Cause like that's my favorite part with the podcast right. of like somebody who's very professionally qualified to answer questions yeah. like this and all that. Because I, I I certainly felt like getting into these things. Back in the day, I had no fucking idea. Right, yeah. <laughs> so having anything is super valuable. I'm trying to think, did I miss anything? Like, I really want to answer questions that you're very qualified to answer. I know. I wish we had like live. You should do a live podcast one time. I, yo, that I'm would saying, be wild. That would and be really you could answer fun. Answer live questions. That would be actually really fun to yeah. just take people and be like, yo, this person is X, you know, marketing, right. manager, yeah. agent. Let's do a live podcast. Yeah. They can answer questions in that field. Yeah. Damn, listeners, if you are listening and you got value out of this and you want a that, specifically with Steph, (laughs) because we don't live that far away, let us know. Hit some ratings, hit some comments anywhere you can. We we notice our social media. Let us know. That would actually be really fun. No, I don't know. Actually, I think that's a really good spot to leave it. Did I miss anything in your stories or anything? Like, well, I guess now, right? So Warp Tour ended. Yeah. We were talking about this a little bit. Yeah. A lot of people were like, oh, is it coming back this? Oh, no, shit, let it be yeah, what it is. Be, please. Um, it was a beautiful time. Yeah. It was a beautiful place in history. It gave a lot of people their starts. Kevin is very happy doing his thing. Yeah. Let it be. He's teaching. <laughs> yeah. Let him teach. Let him go be partially retired, partially working. Let yep. him do his thing. But t- like at least where you're at now, because yeah. I think that that's a you know, like you were kind of forced to pivot, right? It ended. Yeah. So what did you do when you had that dream job and the climate and the economy, the industry changed in that sense? 
what are you doing now? Because I know you're kind of applying those skills in yeah. a great way. Yeah. So, I mean, so now I'm going to start my own, I hate saying this, creative agency. Uh, it's essentially what it is. Yeah. Um, where I will do it. So digital marketing, festival marketing, ad buying, uh, creative content production, web development, all yeah. that. All the skills I talked about. Yeah. Everything I did for Warp Tour, I'm just now doing it for whomever needs it. Whoever needs it, yeah. yeah. No, and that's cool. And like, I mean, we didn't really talk about merchandise, but you've helped a lot of the artists that I've worked with build web stores. Yeah, I've done that. Um, I mean, you've really learned pretty much anything that deals with the internet, some kind of media and yeah. some kind of marketing Yeah, to turn some money into more money you figured out. Yeah. Which seems pretty valuable. It's crazy. Yeah. Get on Shopify if you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> if, if you ever, if you have any listeners like actually get into ad buying, um, the, the ad buying you can do in conjunction with Shopify is very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. They have great ways to look at data. Right. Simply too. Yeah. Where you don't have to figure that much out. They do a good job right. just presenting it. And they have nice plugins where it's like you can actually see how many sales your Facebook ads have generated mm. and what revenue that translated. So you can say I spent $500 and I made $15,000 or I spent $50 in marketing and I made $2,500 in sales. And they have the cool clicky thing with Instagram they where you can click cool through and thing. tap the product. That they you do want. have that. Um, and what is, like, where can people find you? Like, if there is somebody listening that wants to find your services or work with you, or like, sure. what's the best way to find you? Uh, do I just read my email out? I mean, the company's called The Minority Co. The I'm Minority Co. Yeah. You probably yeah. have a submit form there. What's your Instagram? People DM you maybe or Super something? Super original. My Instagram is Steph, a period, and Mersky. Crazy. Timeless. So my first name, a period, and my last name. <laughs> Timeless. Yeah. I love it. Cool. I, I mean, I think that does. Great. Like, I, I love this. I love what we covered. And if anybody is interested or wants to work with you or anything, wants the the live pod Q&A rapid yeah. fire, let us know, please. Like, I, I, I always say this, but I read every comment, every review, every DM about what you did and didn't like on this podcast. Like, I'm 100% obsessed with this. So, so please don't um, give me scathing reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> Hurt my feelings so bad. But no, like, please, like, if if you liked this conversation and if you do want to hear more of it or anything, please DM myself or reach out in any way, whatever media you're on, to me and Steph, because it's cool to hear where we're helping and where we're just blabbering. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for doing this. Of course. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah, it was awesome. So there you have it, Steph's story. I really hope you liked it. I really hope you got a lot of value out of it. If you did, like I always ask, the best thing you can do, the biggest favor that you can do for me is sharing it and telling your friends about it. The more I can grow the podcast, the more people I can talk to, the more cool stories, the more value, all that good stuff, you get it. So share it, let people know. Also, let me know if you're into these ideas that we had about doing different formats of the podcast, doing kind of Q&As with people. Um, I'm really into just doing whatever and making this as good as possible. So please give me your feedback. I want to hear from you. With that said, have a great week. I'll be back next week with another one.